Welcome to the 135th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with James Thompson, author of Helsinki Blood, the latest in the Inspector Vara series. One technical note about this interview, I normally don't discuss the technology or uh, the behind the scenes of production of these podcasts, but I did want to let you know that in interviewing James Thompson, I normally use Skype and Skype was being very temperamental that day. So uh, I'm uploading the interview. I I still think it's a, a great interview, but just wanted to give you the heads up that Please bear with the the uh, audio quality a couple of times during the interview. But it's a great interview, and stay tuned for the interview with James Thompson, author of Helsinki Blood. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Jim Thompson. Jim's latest novel is Helsinki Blood, the fourth crime novel featuring Inspector Carrie Vara. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Thank well, you for having me. Sure, sure. Well, I wondered if you could read the prologue to your new novel, Helsinki Blood. All right. Prologue, July 11th, a hot summer Sunday. All I want is some goddamn peace and quiet. Now my house is under siege. I have an infant to both care for and protect. And I'm forced to do the last thing I wanted to do, call Sweetness and Milo, my colleagues and subordinates or accomplices. The definition of their role in my life depends on one's worldview and ask them for help. I'm shot to pieces, bullets to my knees and jaw. Places I've been shot before have left me a wreck. Only cortisone shots and dope for pain enable me to get around with a cane speak and eat without wanting to scream. I'm still recovering from a brain tumor removal six months ago. The operation was a success, but had a serious side effect that let me flat, emotionless. My feelings are returning as the empty space where once a tumor existed fills in with new tissue, but I only feel love for my wife and child and intermittent like for one or two others. My normal state and reaction toward others is now irritability. My wife, Kate, suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and has run away from home out of control of her own emotions and abandoned me. These combined problems, any one of which would drive a person to distraction under the best of circumstances, cloud my judgment and affect my behavior. My judgment and behavior were already clouded. I feel so certain it will all end badly that it all seems more important than an emotion. Auguries and omens of catastrophe seem all around me, just out of sight, but every every time I turn to face them, they disappear like apparitions. Great. Well, if the listeners haven't heard about your new novel yet, Helsinki Blood, how would you describe the novel? Pitch Black Noir. <laughs> Great. 
Well, well, I, I know that you're an American and you've lived in Finland for 15 years and Finland is the setting for your Inspector Vara novels. What what was your writing journey that led you to writing crime novels set in Finland? Were, were you always writing when you were younger? Oh, yeah. That's a quite strange story because, uh, you know, people typically work very, very hard to get published. Excuse me, I'm sipping coffee. Sure. And uh, I started writing regularly on October 16th, 1994, when I got my first computer. I didn't really know what to do with it. I've always been involved in the arts in one way or another, and uh, also a very avid reader, and, uh, you know, most books... Uh, suck <laughs> and, and well it gets aggravating if if you read a book every day or two and most of them uh, uh, aren't worth the paper they're printed on and, and I was getting so mad I started a book read 15 or 50 pages and just take it and throw it at the wall so I thought, well, I will try to write a book that I would like to read. And unfortunately, I found out that I was like someone who likes to eat, who assumes that means he can cook. It's just not true. <laughs> uh, so I had to back up a few years and, and teach myself the craft of writing. And uh, I moved here in, what was it, February of 98? something like that and um, it somewhat estranged me from my own language from my mother tongue because you know I'm in a Finnish speaking country and I spoke no Finnish and, and uh, I think it made writing all the more important to me and I became very compulsive about it but uh, I was told when I finished my first novel that now my second novel my first novel got no attention it sits on a shelf where I can see it now and it got no attention because like most novels it was unpublishable but my second novel actually was published here in Finland and it's pretty good but it was a <clears throat> it got the attention of a, a very good literary agent in the states, but when he sent it to publishers, they told him it was uh, the subject matter and my treatment of the themes were just too cold and hard for the American market. And uh, I said, "Well, um, what am I going to do here? I can either." pander and write something I don't want to write or do what I did because I for the reason I got into this in the first place and write because I want to write something I want to like sure <laughs> so, so <laughs> I kept writing the way I wanted to and uh, at the time I was uh, I had started the university and uh, working on a master's degree and 
uh, writing sort of took second place, but I was always constantly writing anyways. And I wrote a second book, and uh, I was working in a bar. I worked in bars, mostly nightclubs, actually, almost all my life. And uh, <clears throat> I was talking to a guy, and I didn't know that he was a managing editor for an imprint of uh, Northern Europe's largest publisher. And we were just talking about fiction. And, and uh, I didn't push it on him. I just sort of came out that I write. I hadn't really thought about it being published in a long time. I belonged to writers groups and things like that. I was involved with the local writing community, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I sort of even d discouraged him. Uh, I told him what had been said to me in uh, answers from publishers, which uh, wasn't bad. I mean, the overall message, I remember this wasn't long after 9-11. So it was, it was a time when they were even putting like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies in the can and sitting on them because reality had superseded fiction right. for a time. And, and this was a novel set in Jerusalem and at the heart of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it, it's a harsh book. And, and uh, he asked to read it. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> so I gave him the manuscript, and within a, a few weeks, we had a deal. And of course, I've been writing all those years, and so I had other books as well. And I gave him a one-page synopsis of another book, and he bought it. Off, off the page and and not long after that I finished Snow Angels and our, our, uh, what's our our, uh, our profanity level here oh it's fine it's fine uh, <laughs> I, I, ha I handed him the manuscript and said I finished this book if you want to read it even though I, had, I was still unpublished so uh, he took it home, and the next time I saw him, uh, he was sitting outside having a, a cognac and a cigar, and he says, I fucking hate you. God damn you. you, you do you realize that you have just destroyed the goddamn genre of writing crime fiction in the Arctic for the next Ten years. <laughs> and, and why did he say that? <laughs> and and uh, well, that meant a book contract. I had a three book contract, and uh, as far as uh, fiction goes, at least that had never happened in Finland before and certainly never to a foreigner. 
So it was a quite odd situation. <laughs> and then um, it w- wasn't that long later. Um, my first book had come out, the one set in Jerusalem, I remember that. But uh, a, a New York power agent heard about me through a mutual acquaintance. And uh, this acquaintance told him he might want to consider reading this book. And uh, being as the situation was then, and I suppose to some extent still remains, they were scouring the planet, well, not the planet, the top of the planet, looking for the next Stieg Larsson, you know. Right, exactly. And, And... there was no Finnish representative in the Scandinavian crime wave. Now it's called uh, Nordic Noir. Back then it was the Scandinavian crime wave. So um, he says, tell Jim Thompson to send me that book right now. (laughs) And four days later, now you know it usually takes like a few months to get it any kind of response from an agent. Four days later, I get an email that says, I want to re- represent this book and all your future works. <laughs> <laughs> so, independently, I built careers on, on both sides of the big water. That's, and, that's great. So, so earlier you, you, you mentioned how when you first started writing and you had written this first novel, which you said was unpublishable that you had to kind of go back and teach yourself how to write. What, what was that process like for you? Because I know that a lot of writers, uh, when they sit down to write their, their first novel or, or they, they, they never make it because they realize that it's a lot harder than they, than they thought. So what was the process like for you? Well, I actually just worked on one novel. I worked on one novel for seven years. So, um, for me, it it was very very enjoyable process. Uh, I this this was back before, and I, I had a great deal of fun with it. Um, but luckily. I think no writer is really capable of judging his or her own writing, but I realized for a long time that all I was producing was trash, and I was throwing my own stuff at the wall. But that was okay, because I was having a good time with it. So, uh, I think it just depends on your personality. You know, if... uh, and, and your motivations for what you're doing. If you're writing for the love of writing, then it doesn't really matter if you're published or not, does it? Right, right. So, so I just wanted to to ask as well what what led you originally to move to Finland from from America? I chased a girl here. Gotcha. <laughs> She's gone. I'm here. I'm married to a. A Finnish woman, one I met many years after I came here. Right, right. So, 
And and I'm curious, what has the reception been in Finland to your novels? Um, I just wrote a quite long interview for Elizabeth White about this because it's uh, changed over time. Um, well, largely because my writing has changed over time. Um, can you tell me what books of mine you've read, if any? Uh, I'm about halfway through Helsinki Blood. Okay. Well, it, it's a pretty harsh book. Um, my first book set in Finland, Snow Angels, is a more sympathetic book. Even that, it was... <clears throat> People didn't know what to think of it. Um, uh, as an outsider, I had, I had lived here for many years before I wrote that book, and you know the the observer has the cold eye, where if you grow up somewhere, you don't see the trees for the forest, and I pride myself on trying to tell Finns things they don't recognize about themselves. And, and writing. And uh, in fact, <clears throat> that book in particular is really just a very I mean, these are the primary themes of of Finnish art and literature and always have been. But for an outsider to say them, um, I took a little bit of flack. Uh, I remember one blogger saying, now no tourists are ever going to want to come here. <laughs> but... Uh, um, I write dark fiction. I mean, if if someone else wants to write uh, warm stories about Christmas time, uh, that's great. And those stories would be true as well. But we do have problems with depression and alcoholism and murder and suicide. And there's a, a lot of truth in my stories as well. So it's like anywhere you live. There, there's There's two sides to every place. I've been around quite a bit, and from not just one kilometer to another, but one apartment to another, life is very different. Everyone's life experiences are different. Sure. And sure. no. Have well, you, have you considered at this point of, of possibly writing a, a, a novel or, or story set in America, or do you feel like you're too removed from it and you would prefer to stay with Finland for now? Elizabeth, Elizabeth asked me the same thing, and um, I was away from there for a decade, and I, I went back in 2009, and I grew up in Appalachian, Kentucky, although I've lived in major cities. I lived in Boston for 
quite a few years. And uh, uh, it was like being in a foreign country for me. And uh, I wouldn't be, I'm, I'm no longer acclimated to America. I'm acclimated to Finland, and I would not be able to write a book about American life as it is today for most people, at least in urban centers. I mean, the place has just changed very much. Sure, sure. Do you do you remember? places do um, you don't it's another thing you don't see if you stare at it constantly uh, America it, it felt very different to me my perceptions uh, of it like I remember being in Times Square I hadn't been there in like 20 years I felt like I was uh, in Blade Runner uh, <laughs> I had this uh sort of surreal feeling the whole time I was in New York. But you were saying. Um, I was just going to, to ask, do you remember what gave you the original idea or inspiration for Inspector Vara when, before you wrote Snow Angels? Uh, it struck me between the eyes, as Colonel Kurt said, like a diamond bullet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I pictured the opening scene of Snow Angels and it's a black woman who's been horrifically slaughtered in a snowfield on a reindeer farm and in just almost an instant I knew why she was there who had killed her and why, and I knew who the protagonist was, and <laughs> um, it just it it all came together very quickly. As as far as books go, it was a fairly easy one for me to write. Great. Well, well, I'm curious. You you talked earlier about this uh, first novel that you worked on for seven years as you were trying to kind of figure out your your. Um, you know, how to write, so to speak. Um, what what made you eventually kind of leave that novel and move on in terms of working on other projects and other novels and stories? Was there a specific incident or, or did you just um, eventually just put that away? And uh, I was just wondering what that, that decision was for you. It was just done. There was nothing more I could do with it. I've taken it as far as my skill level would allow. Um, some of the writing in it's pretty good, but it, it has structural problems. And, uh, you know, after seven years, uh, a person needs to move on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So, so what is your writing process like now? Do you, do you have a specific workflow or do you, do you outline extensively or are you more of an organic writer? Um, I do outline, but I do the vast majority of it in my head. Um, I, I 
first book I sold. The first one published. I had a, I think it's a hundred, partly because uh, they, after they had bought three books, they had invested a great deal of money in me. And do you know the term branding as far as being an author goes? Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. They decided that I was to be a branded author, and they asked me if I could produce uh, uh, three books, no, four books in three years. I said, yes, I can. But, um, I mean, just because uh, I have a book here, for instance, the book set in Jerusalem, that was uh, written by an American and I was on my way to becoming a Nordic writer. And so all the books were torn apart except for Snow Angels because it was written in a very Finnish way anyways. Uh, but those those first two, which are standalone thrillers, had to be torn to bits, re- rebuilt. Um, and uh, designed for a Nordic demographic. And actually, that's the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, I, my managing editor, I, I remember he bought the book, but he gave it back to me. And he says, you know, you got this guy, your protagonist here, and he's a stone sociopath. He likes killing people. It doesn't bother him, yet you put in this boo-hoo-hoo stuff, which is, it's it's very American, and it's not very appealing, and it doesn't ring true. So why don't you take this book home and rewrite it and, and bring it back to me once you've written the truth of this story? And I did exactly that. And that was the best advice anybody ever gave me. Just write the truth of the story. So, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> thought was there, uh, so, so that kind of leads into my next question. What, what advice would you have for, for aspiring writers who are trying to write their own stories in their own novels? Um, I would advise them to consider what they're doing and why. Um, a writer's life's very hard. You asked me about working. I work seven days a week. I start as soon as I get out of bed. So I'm reading my research materials on my way to sleep. Uh, once people actually start reading your stuff and you have deadlines and and books to sell. There's, there's a a lot of people that are depending on you, and and it's stuff that no one else can do. No one can help you. And the the road to to learning the craft of writing is difficult. People, this is part of the problem. And for instance, now there's uh, 
over a million self-published books on Amazon. Um, I would guess that 99.8% of them are just awful. But people believe, because they have uh, some gift with the English language, that that also makes them a good storyteller. And it's a combination of a number of factors that make a good writer. And it takes some years to learn the craft of writing, just as it does to learn to play the concert piano. Just because you can speak doesn't mean you can write. Going back to the eating thing, it doesn't mean you can cook. So I think that they should realize that they're lonely hours, and if you're not a person who embraces solitude, who is willing to give up relationships and those fun times their buddies are out having, uh, doing, well, I shouldn't say frivolous stuff, but sports or whatever else, uh, that those are things that they're not going to be able to do anymore if they're going to succeed as writers. They're going to have to de dedicate themselves to this craft, and it's going to eat up their lives. And the, the better they get, the more it's going to eat them up. And so... First of all, they're likely going to fail, especially in, in the crime and thriller genres. Uh, I would say something like one in a hundred thousand writers achieves any degree of success. Success. I think the average published writer makes 1,000. Um, except the satisfaction of the process. The process is everything. Um, and, you know, you can be involved in another art form, like, say, you can play guitar and you can sing a little bit or you can paint a little bit. And you have something to show for it. Um, with writing, it's not like that. You just sit there and bleed into the keyboard, and and in, until you're published, people think you're just involved in some kind of foolishness. You're just a jackass with, with a stupid hobby. Um, so I would first advise people to very carefully consider their motivations and and this this preoccupa preoccupation with publication i think is a, a terrible mistake that there are much like people who like to sit and play the guitar they don't necessarily care if they become jimmy page they just like to play the guitar it's okay to just like to write, um, but because of this stigma involved in being an unpublished, uh, technically you should have two books published by a major 
or a recognized publisher before you're officially an author. But uh, this thing about being a jackass with a hobby, you know, it's people, they just want to go, look, Ma, there's my book. It's, it's on sale on Amazon. I'm an author now. Well, guess what? You're not. You've produced a text, but it doesn't mean that you've accomplished anything. Um, that said, anyone who has the fortitude to sit there for the one to two thousand hours it takes to produce a book, and I respect that, whether it's a good book or a bad book, but people just shouldn't expect to gain anything from it. I mean, I didn't, obviously. Right. So what are you working on now? Uh, well, some of it's top secret government information. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about, but uh, I have uh, just got a two-book deal with Putnam, my publisher, for the the next two in the Inspector Vada series, which will make a total of six, and that's going to keep me busy through 2015. And I'm also uh, man <clears throat> managing editor of an anthology of Finnish crime writers that's to be published. Uh, it's going to be translated and published as part of the award-winning series by Akashic in the States. And it will also be published here in Finland. And I got another couple of things on the back burner. I stay pretty busy. That's great. When is that anthology slated for publication? Do you do you know? Well, um, it'll be a little different in the states and in Finland because of just the way things work. Sure, but. Um, the big money in in the book world all tra all trades hands not all of it but a huge part of it at the Frankfurt Book Fair every October in Germany and in 2014 Finland is the theme of the book fair so that's what we're really gearing toward um, right. Both countries need to work on their own time schedules to uh, get the book out and get it publicized, get some reviews. You know, there's a balance here between getting some publicity and so you have some sales tools and, and letting you, your book get too old. So both countries will work there different versions of ma magic in that way. Um, the book is actually uh, written. I've already been through all the stories. Great. So we're, we're going to the translation process right now. And, and where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more about your books? I'm everywhere. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, my website, jamesthompsonauthor.com I've got two Facebook sites 
Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm very active on Goodreads. Um, and I answer every email that anyone writes to me. It's just, I try to make myself accessible to people who want to communicate with me. I've also got uh, film deals and uh, I'm co-screenwriter. So the first three books in the Vada series have been optioned for film. Great. Well, it so, sounds like you're staying busy. Yeah. And if you read that book there, there's a uh, Helsinki Blood. There's a sitting, a, a setting called Hirpiahauki, which is a bar. I worked in that bar for six years, and uh, if I go somewhere to hang out, that's generally where you find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jim Thompson, author of Helsinki Blood, the fourth Inspector Vara novel. Helsinki Blood is available in bookstores now, so check it out. Jim, thanks for doing the interview. Uh, please let me do point out that in... In the States, I'm published under the name James Thompson. Correct. Correct. James Thompson. And I'll, Remember, there's, I'll have... the, there's the dead writer guy who's actually a phenomenal writer named Jim Thompson. We get mixed up on, on the uh, web browser sometimes, you know. Sure. So, but anyway, so yes, again, the, bo the books are published under James Thompson. I'll have links to those in the show notes so you can check them out. Um, and thanks a lot. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.